This is Annie Stevens-Gleason, Minister for Worship and Incorporation at the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer in Cincinnati, Ohio, and I'd like to welcome you to our worship podcast. Good evening. This is Reverend Gary Lubin serving as deacon with the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer in Cincinnati, Ohio. Welcome to our daily devotion in the early evening for individuals and families from page 139 of our Book of Common Prayer. The reading for today is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. Now let us get started with our worship together. O gracious light, pure brightness of the ever-living Father in heaven, O Jesus Christ, holy and blessed, Now as we come to the setting of the sun and our eyes behold the vesper light, we sing your praises, O God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You are worthy at all times to be praised by happy voices, O Son of God, O giver of life, and to be glorified through all the worlds. A reading from the Gospel according to Luke. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten men with a skin disease approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, Were not ten made clean? So where are the other nine? Did none of them return to give glory to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. The Gospel of our Lord. Wow, Jesus sure spends a lot of time healing people. We might leap to a conclusion that disease, illness, sickness is directly connected to sin, to being bad people or being cursed by bad behavior of some ancestor or another, perhaps. A very Old Testament concept where good and faithful living results in God's favor towards us, resulting in good life, being healthy, wealthy, and wise, and being bad directly resulting in disfavor, condemnation, bad luck, sickness, illness, disease, and God knows what else. I imagine many, if not all of us, might relate to that. So much so that I confess that on occasion, I have even come to a state of feeling sorry for myself. Oh my gosh. Arr! But quickly get over it to remember a poem about a small bird written by D.H. Lawrence. Particularly meaningful to me, one who appreciates the mystery, mystique, and magic of Mother Nature, including all wild things, and especially birds. Lawrence wrote, I never saw a wild thing sorry for itself. 
A small bird will drop frozen dead from a bough without ever having felt sorry for itself. Being a creature of God, a wild thing, a small bird, a human being means to suffer to one degree or another. But bad karma? Well, this is just poppycock. Jesus said so himself. In John 9, 1 through 3, as Jesus walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. So that God's works might be revealed in him. And I would like to add to him or her or them. But Jesus never did promise there would be no suffering. Instead, Jesus actually is a living example that suffering and love are intertwined. He is on his way to Jerusalem, you know, where all hell breaks loose. Suffering is an invitation, a coercion, perhaps a mandate, a motivation of some sort, don't you think? Encouragement to help, to love, to love proactively, proactively. Suffering is there so that God's works might be accomplished and revealed. So, in today's reading, Jesus once again makes this crystal clear, reveals God's love for us. So, as Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, when he gets to this unnamed village, ten men with a skin disease, probably lepers, approach Jesus but respectfully keeping their distance. You know, although lepers were not allowed in Jerusalem itself, they could live in or near a village as long as they kept their distance. Apparently, they recognized Jesus from before, knowing his name as well as his title. They uh, to all together, they call out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Well, their plea could have well as been, have mercy on us sinners, do you think? They ask for mercy, even begging for it, I think, because their situation is so dire that nothing else but a miracle is going to help. I mean, leprosy was bad, 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 and considered a real condemnation. Oops. Maybe Jesus thinks, well, okay, something needs to be done here. And then he simply says, go and show yourselves to the priests. Just do it. I imagine he says this maybe quietly, yet sublime, maybe even offhandedly. Hey, go and show yourselves to the priests. Now, why does Jesus say these particular words and not something else? You know, I mean, why not some kind of powerful, thunderous words like at other times? Maybe even perhaps raising his voice. And why didn't he lay his hands on them or touch them or use spittle like he did in other cases? Well, of course, you know, at the time, leprosy was believed to be highly contagious. There's that. One thing is clear enough, though. He instructs them in this way to be in accordance 
with the Jewish law described in Leviticus. Only the cultic officials in Jerusalem could verify their health and so approve their return to the religious community. Jesus was playing it by the good book. But then there, you know, there's that Samaritan guy. Was, was he an outlier? Was he the only outsider in that group of 10? Did he even know this rule? Well, being a Samaritan, he probably was familiar with Leviticus since Samaritans followed their version of the five books of the law, their good book, if you will. But even so, those would not be his priests. Yet, he was living in this small community with the others. So there's that. Now, following Jesus' direction, the Samaritan was on the way to Jerusalem with the other nine. And as it turns out, the Samaritan, a foreigner, is the standout in the story. And Jesus takes advantage of this, a teachable moment. We are told that as the ten made their way to Jerusalem, they were made clean. Now that's interesting. It seems like the very act of listening, obeying, walking, you know, on their journey to Jerusalem made them clean. To some degree or another, they were participants in their own healing. They expressed some element of faith. You know, they, they come to Jesus to begin with, then listen to him and obey his command to go. They approach, they inquire, they listen and act. And then comes the clincher. There is a closure, a closure. We are told, then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. I might add, in a loud enough voice that anyone paying attention could hear. And it was the Samaritan. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, we are told. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. The Samaritan is eternally grateful. So then Jesus wonders out loud, where are the other nine who were healed? What kind of journey are they on? Jesus says, did none of them return to give glory to God except this foreigner, asks Jesus? Not one of the other nine. Nada. Are they also not grateful, Jesus laments? Just what's the deal here? What's going on? Jesus tells the Samaritan, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well, Jesus says to him. Hmm. I think Jesus is using the grateful Samaritan as an example to demonstrate that we are not completely well, we are not really whole, we are not truly family, until not only are we grateful, but furthermore, demonstrate our gratitude. My guess is that the other nine, you know, the overwhelming majority, were also grateful in their own ways, but 
they do not express it in any kind of dramatic or personal way. And even though they are in fact following instructions, they fail to think it through or, you know, they even just don't even feel it. You know, they don't feel the gratitude and they don't go out of their way to turn around on their tracks to say, thank you very much in person. Or to ask, gee, what can I do in return, Jesus? Or to ask, how may I express my thanks, Jesus? Are they taking Jesus for granted? Are they being a bit self-absorbed? Is their lack of action some kind of uh, form of self-pity? Or are they being arrogant to think they deserved it? That it was owed to them? Were the nine guilty of a sin of omission? Well, I don't really know. I can only speculate along with you. But I do know this. Jesus tells us sin itself is the sickness. Sin itself is the sickness. Jesus said sin is whatever separates us from God and from each other. Jesus said, quote, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. That was from Mark. I offer that Jesus is teaching us to get outside of ourselves, express gratitude and generosity in offering grace and mercy, to be gracious and merciful, to love to a fault, and no, not out of a feeling of obligation, although I think Jesus would certainly take that, but better as a free expression of gratitude and love. Amen. It is not ourselves that we proclaim. We proclaim Christ Jesus as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For the same God who said, out of darkness let light shine, has caused his light to shine within us, to give the light of revelation, the revelation of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Let us now say together the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Almighty and everlasting God, in Christ you have revealed your glory among the nations. Preserve the works of your mercy, that your church throughout the world may persevere with steadfast faith in the confession of your name, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Let us now take some time, pausing our worship together if we need to do that, to offer up our prayers of the intercession thanksgiving and praise for the world, for the church, for our national life, 
for the social and natural orders, for family and personal life, and in particular, for those who are suffering and those who have died. O God, you made us in your own image and redeemed us through Jesus, your Son. Look with compassion on the whole human family. Take away the arrogance and hatred which infect our hearts. Break down the walls that separate us. Unite us in bonds of love and work through our struggle and confusion to accomplish your purposes on earth, that in your good time, all nations and the one human race may serve you in harmony around your heavenly throne. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Grant, O God, that your holy and life-giving spirit may so move every human heart and especially the hearts of the people of this land, that barriers which divide us may crumble, suspicions disappear, and hatred cease, that our divisions being healed we may live in justice and peace through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Lord Jesus, stay with us for evening is at hand and the day is past. Be our companion in the way. Kindle our hearts and awaken hope that we may know you as you are revealed in scripture and the breaking of bread. Grant this for the sake of your love. Amen. Now go in peace, hope, and joy to love and serve our God in the name of our teacher and savior, Jesus. Oh!